0: out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and right-doing. There is a field. I'll meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make sense. Welcome to episode three of Meet Me in the Field, the podcast where we discuss spiritual journeys. Today I talk to a very interesting lady, Janine. We have known each other for a few years now, but only became acquainted fairly recently when our journeys crossed paths. I would classify Janine as a healer, but she is much more than that. In this podcast, we discuss the road she took to become the interesting and multifaceted person whom she is today. I really enjoyed my conversation with her, and I hope you would too. Hey Janine, how are you?
1: I'm having an awesome today, Freddie. Really glad to be here on the spring morning.
0: Awesome today, I like that. Thank you very much for being here. I really appreciate you taking the time, but it sounds as if you're in the right space and the right frame of mind to have this conversation, so I'm very happy to hear that. I've known Janine now for a few years, and the one thing that has always fascinated me about her was two things, three things maybe. One, there was a kind of calmness about her that I always appreciated. The second one is she was always busy doing something with the hands like crocheting or something when I see her. And the third one was that she does actually crochet the nicest ponchos in the most beautiful (laughs) colours. A business opportunity that you are advertising here whether you want to get involved in it or not. (laughs) Juninsa, you seem to be quite calm. I think that is a sense of serenity. How do you achieve that?
1: Sure. So it's very interesting. If you'd have known me... You know, 15 years ago, there's no way you would have ever said that about me. (laughs) Emotional sobriety has really been my most challenging thing to find on this planet. And for me, it's a constant process of learning to trust my emotions and work through them and process them and clear them and get to the point where they actually are sacred messengers now for me as opposed to things that I want to avoid or push away. So serenity has come... Yeah, quite slowly for me, in a lot of ways. At one point in my life, I connected with a sense of a power greater than myself, which seemed to be a loving and benevolent energy. And at this time in my life, I was highly addicted to lots of substances and having a very, very hard time not being able to get off them. I tried for, I don't know, seven, eight years to get clean, and it just wasn't working.
0: So you realized you had a problem, but it took you seven, eight years to get some help.
1: It was even before the seven or eight years that I knew (laughs) I had a problem. It was more seven or eight years that I'd been trying to sort things out. And the one day I was sitting in my granny's garden and just did a little ceremony. And I made myself a fire. I set up some stones. I did this water cleansing. And I started working very intently with the elements, not having a clue what I was doing. But at the time, I was basically saying look this loving energy i don't know what to do with my life you have to show me because what i've done so far hasn't worked and i could really do with some help subsequently i ended up booking myself into rehab and got into a 12-step program and haven't looked back since 12-step program has really been the basis of my spirituality and of my sobriety. Growing up, I was kind of in an interesting family situation. My dad was kind of much more, you know, he wasn't a Satanist, but he was much more friends with Satan. My mom's an excommunicated Catholic, and I grew up in a very small town surrounded by Zulu singing, mosques and Catholic churches, and then happy clappers down the road. And so I didn't really fit into any of those places, but at the same time I really loved the sound vibration of the people singing and the worship. Just personally, I could never really fit into any particular religion. And so trying to forge a sense of spirituality has been a lifelong process for me. And I think that's the reason why I've actually stayed in 12-step programs, because it's the only place that I can go where my higher power is the God of my understanding. It is a personal relationship. It's not something that any religion has said, your God has to be like this, 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 this. And if you do this, 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 that, then you will be a good person and go to heaven or whatever it is. And if you're a bad person, you go to hell. Straight. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Boom. I've been in hell. You know, I lived there for a long time. (laughs) And I think that's also why I'm serene now, as I'm kind of out of hell, and it's awesome. I personally feel like this, this third dimension where we live is an incredible place in that you can be living simultaneously in hell, or if you raise your vibration, you can just as easily be in heaven within the same space. I don't know if that makes any kind of sense, but like, you know how it is when you're having a terrible day and you're stuck in shame and grief and misery and sadness and all of that stuff, you just feel awful. On a different day, you know, you might have friends around, you may have been dancing, beautiful full moon, you fall in love with someone, whatever it is, but then you feel literally like you're in this heavenly space. And usually when I'm there, it's like, I'm in a space of acceptance of all that is, I'm not judging anybody, I'm loving and accepting myself, I've got a certain amount of peace around me, I'm experiencing love and joy and that for me is heaven, you know, they say heaven is where you go when you die and you're with your family and all your loved ones are with you and I've got a very big family and sometimes, you know, I'll sit around at a family bri and whereas before I'd feel completely disconnected from them all, now I sit there. And, yeah, sure, I don't know why this is so hard, but now I can sit with my family and it's like heaven on earth, actually. I can connect with each and every person there, and I see the beauty in everyone, and I'm also loved and accepted in that space, which is quite amazing. So you you can hear I'm already like tearing up and emotions, (laughs) you know, I'm an extreme emotional person. So when people say, yeah, I look calm on the outside, I always find that very amusing. Yeah, I use a lot of emotional freedom technique to to get myself to a state of serenity when I'm not feeling calm. And I've also subsequently found this thing called matrix re-imprinting, which traces your feelings back to wherever they originated from. So I do a lot of healing work with myself in the womb and um, even in previous lives and other dimensions and other places and I also do help other people with this work now and it's been an incredible thing to go from a place of hating feeling, doing anything to avoid that, to being able to really trust that no matter what feeling I have I can trace it back to its roots love and accept myself there and bring myself back to the space of serenity and peace.
0: So it sounds as if from a very early age there was an awareness of and a need for some form of spirituality, some form of guiding spirit.
1: Mm. I remember as a very young child I was still connected and most children are before the age of seven. You've still got kind of got your angel with you and you kind of protected spiritually. No matter what's going on because i don't really work with a particular god like a lot of people work within a religion so they'll have a concept of christ or krishna or buddha or allah or any of them and i love and respect all of them and this has been part of my difficulty of not you know joining any particular religious group is I feel like you know if I if I join the Christians and I have to leave Buddha behind or if I go to the Buddhists then you know Allah gets left on the corner and I actually love all of them and I was trying to find a way of describing this way of working with spirit. For me spirit is a unity it's nothing that can be divided so as soon as I'm saying God is this particular name I'm already reducing that to something that is smaller than the power of the greater, higher power of my understanding is. And I was reading this book last night, what's his name, Wayne Dyer, and he was saying, I found this so interesting, just listen to these words, these are all names of God. So there's Ra, Krishna, Rama, Buddha, Tat, Sugmat, Gayana, Mahatna, Vakantanka, Anu, Aku, Atva, Atto, Allah, Jehovah, Shiva. What is the sound that you hear in all of them? A. Exactly. There's a ah yeah. in all of them. And somehow for me this is the crux of it, is however we want to split religions up into different deities, at the root of it there is one all-loving being that is basically love, that underlies all of that. And so for me, that's the closest way I can describe my concept of spirituality is it's a oneness. It includes the masculine and feminine. It includes all the gods and goddesses. It includes all the dimensions. It includes all the elements. I work very intently with fire and earth and water and nature and even air to an extent, I like working with sacred sounds as part of my spiritual practice. So I use a lot of mantra work to help clean my mind of, you know, the debris of the past.
0: Your spirituality sounds extremely inclusive. Is there anything that you blatantly exclude or rationally exclude or even emotionally exclude?
1: The difficulty for me is sometimes I still bounce into my head. And when I'm in my head... I feel like I think a lot and I'm stuck in my ego and I feel separate from everyone and everything and for me the challenge is to stay grounded in my heart as soon as I get out of my head and settle into my heart I'm back in that space of oneness and the tricky part is we're all programmed as children to be in our heads I don't have any problem with my rational mind I really need it and love it but at the same time you know my right brain is the most awesome place and my intuition and my imagination and my inspiration comes through that vehicle. Ideally what I'm aiming to do is to get myself into a space where I can love and accept everything as it is and the only way I can do that is to start with myself so a lot of my daily practices whatever I'm feeling or thinking or going through I use emotional freedom tapping and I'll say even though I'm going through all this stuff I love and accept myself anyway and I use um, different pressure points and tapping to clear that emotion out of my body so I can get back to that space of I love and accept myself anyway because at the end of the day whatever healing I want to do in the world unless I do it on me first it can't translate to anybody else and I see myself as a microcosm of the universe, so whatever I heal in me kind of flows out to the rest of the world anyway. So as far as excluding goes, no, I don't exclude anything. Okay. In my model of the world, there's one biblical thing that I like of everything works to the good of those that love the Lord. Now I don't like the terminology, the Lord, and any of that personally, but the gist of it, that's what I believe. I believe anything that we go through is ultimately leading towards our evolution, ultimately leading towards our greater good, and ultimately leading us back to the whole. And I mean, yoga, all those things, union, wholeness, Mm -hmm. that's at the end of the day, those spiritual experiences, what we are trying to achieve through our prayer and our meditation and all of that.
0: I find it's quite a nice space to be in, to connect with something you don't necessarily believe in, but still being able to find the essence of it. Tell me, Janine, you mentioned that on the day that you got the insight that you can get help for your addiction, you were busy doing a ceremony. Mm. Where did you get exposed to those type of things? Or was this just something that came to you from nowhere?
1: (laughs) For me, in this moment in time, I would say it's remembered knowledge. I subsequently, years later, found a book of African traditional healing ceremonies and that was basically what I was doing. I was calling back the elementals that had left me through all of the shocks and things that I'd been in through my life. And so this is how I express my spirituality. I express my spirituality every full moon. I've got a whole pile of crystals and I will put them into a little constellation representing however I'm feeling at that time. So I may for example do a circle of 12 for the zodiac and a circle of 7 for the iller planets. I always include north, south, east, west and something central. Often I'll leave the center open for this concept of higher power. And somehow by working with these stones in a constellation kind of way that is where I find my grounding and my serenity. From a Mayan calendar perspective, I'm one of these world bridger people, and that's what I like to do. I like to travel through dimensions, spaces and times, and the now is the portal. My physical present moment now is the time when I can go into the past, change the impact of what happened there. I can go into the future and bring in advice and love and encouragement from my future self. And then it becomes incredibly fun. So I suppose it's a combination of intuition and intuition's not just gut feeling. Intuition is actually inner tuition. It's when you find that guru inside. Your teacher is always you.
0: So it sounds as if you kind of stumbled onto a concept before you came into recovery and then that
1: developed
0: significantly from there. Mm. Um, tell us a bit about that path. And something that comes up for me, maybe you can incorporate that, is my thought is nearly that the 12 steps could have been
1: restrictive. I found the 12 steps to be foundational. When I do go through the 12 steps, it's a very well-guided process to help me to a state where I can actually pray and meditate and connect with this higher power of my understanding. Everything else is preparation. It leads me to right action, to right speaking... And all of that kind of thing like I have to be able to be honest with myself firstly before I can be honest with the world and 12 steps is a very very gentle way of starting to whittle away that emotional onion and take me to the kind of root of who I am because before I didn't know who I was at all I thought I was all of these emotions I thought I was this body I thought I was all these thoughts I thought I was a combination Of all of that stuff as well as all of the programming that I'd received from society and my parents and my ancestral streams and I've realized I'm not that. I'm not even my body, not my emotions, not my thoughts. I am this spiritual being who's having this experience in this body and the way I perceive it now because when I work with Matrix I get a lot of interesting insights. So when I'm in there in within this work I'm working with memories of my younger self. So it'll be me As I am now doing work with my younger self. And then often there's like a higher power deity, which people would generally call like your angel or your deva. So that part of me is there. And recently I've been realizing that when I identify myself as that part as well, so I'm not just Janine the little girl, I'm not just Janine me and all my problems and my life stuff here, I'm also Janine my higher self. And i'm also janine the witness that is witnessing all of this stuff and without 12-step programs there's no ways that my higher power could have led me to all of the things that i needed in order to heal and the thing is healing is a lifelong journey it's not a light switch it's not like i switch the light on now i'm healed hallelujah thank you someone healed me it's something i have to do for me And It's more like a flower opening and opening and opening and opening and opening to ever more present joy ever more present serenity, ever more present ability to even go to those dark places Because those dark places that is where my power lies That is the places that are needing my love and care And as soon as I give them that they give me the gifts that they were hiding and holding and keeping safe for me so I hope that helps.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I still want to hear a bit more about the actual journey from mm. coming into recovery to being where you are now. It sounds as if there's so, been a lot of formal education or has a lot of this been exploration for yourself and just finding being guided by the higher power and going where the higher power wanted you to go and to gain this knowledge.
1: Mm. So so imagine totally broken, living in hell, wanting to die that's where i started
0: yeah. i can picture that
1: <laughs> <laughs> not so much fun and it took me a good like four years to even get to a place where i could actually work and then i started work four
0: years in recovery
1: in recovery okay. I, was, I was that far gone um and then i started working in a little health shop and learning all about herbs and natural substances so i, I studied Like a lot of natural stuff with that. I've studied Shiatsu, I've studied Reiki. So once you
0: ended up in the health shop, you got exposed to this and then that treat did the interest and then you studied some stuff.
1: I think even before I got to recovery, I was really interested in stuff. I'd studied the Reiki and Shiatsu before recovery. Subsequently after that, then I started getting into more herbalism and looking into um, the minerals and all that sort of thing. And so the 12 steps like I worked with a sponsor and gradually gradually you know started unpacking my emotional baggage and realizing it wasn't anybody else's fault on the outside I always thought it was my parents fault and society's fault and you know it's a terrible thing that I'm an addict and now being an addict it's one archetype of me I'm an addict I'm also a poet I'm also a healer I'm also a singer there's lots of aspects of me I'm not only an addict but when I say I'm an addict, it gives me a huge amount of freedom. When I'm in recovery and working a twelve step program, that is where I'm actually using my addict energy in a really positive way. And I feel like if every single human on the planet could have a twelve step program, can you imagine how quickly we could evolve? It would be, it would be absolutely awesome. <laughs>
0: I'm going to use that as an advertising slogan it, one of these days. Yeah, no, seriously. <laughs> <laughs> What's the <this> space? <laughs>
1: I mean, we all have issues, we all have emotions, and this is my main interest now is how to maintain emotional sobriety. And so I studied, I did a degree in Eurythmy, you were asking about formal study, and this helped me very much connect with spirit.
0: Eurythmy.
1: Yeah, so Eurythmy means beautiful rhythm, and Mm. it's an anthroposophically based subject. Studying Eurythmy was one way that... That sort of recapitulated my childhood. It taught me a lot about how our energy, when we are incarnating into our bodies, we come up from we come from the wholeness of spirit, from the all that is, and then we gradually kind of come into this dimension and this has been something I've found it really fascinating is from a because I also studied yoga. life force is really the thing that is moving and enlivening and bringing life to everything. I mean, if you don't have your life force or you in your body, it's just a corpse at the end of the day. Prana. Yeah.
0: What I'm hearing from you is a lot of problems with addiction is the wanting not to feel, the wanting not to experience emotions. And Mm. a lot of the theory is that we numb our emotions, we suppress our emotions by using the substances or whatever we choose to Mm. not be present. Am I hearing you correctly that the suppressing the emotions and being out of the body or, or not wanting to be in the body are the same type of thing?
1: Well, there's two things. One is, I think the root cause of addiction is we think we're separate from this oneness. We get that impression when often when we're born. We think, oh God, I'm the separate being and I'm not safe, whatever it is. And then you were asking about the suppression and the not being in the body, the suppression definitely comes through using like whatever it is, whether it's physical actions, whether it's taking a substance, whether it's food, whether it's avoidance,
0: watching series on or, TV, all of that, screen <laughs> things,
1: anything that you using to feel happy if you're not feeling happy, you know, anything that is like a crutch to get there, It gives you that initial lift, like you might feel okay when you're doing whatever it is you're doing, but then there's a negative karma that lets you fall even lower than you were before. Which means
0: you have to do that again to feel better.
1: And probably more of it. So it becomes like this ongoing spiral of like, I need more, more, more to feel okay. And so that's where the suppression comes in. The trouble is, like the reason people suppressing in the first place is sometimes they feel too much, actually. And they're scared to even open that Pandora's box of feeling, and that's why they're using it as a form of kind of self medication. So if you can make it safe for somebody to feel and to allow those feelings to process through their body, I think for me personally that has been the most vital tool I've had to actually come to emotional sobriety and also to maintain my sobriety apart from a 12-step program. Now I use EFT tapping for that, emotional freedom tapping, and there's a lot of it available on the web. If you don't find success with that, then find yourself a practitioner because there's lots of other tools and lots of other reasons why it may not be working.
0: So if you find a practitioner, then it must be somebody whom you subconsciously already trust.
1: It's helpful to trust your practitioner. The thing is... I personally like to go to people who I resonate with and who I have a certain amount of respect for and somebody who's who I can bring anything to. Then I feel safe because then, I've got a lot of deep stuff and I don't want to go to someone and they're going to sit there, oh, God, you poor thing, and start crying for me. I get that a lot with people. <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, this is obviously not the person for me. <laughs> so you've got to find someone who's able to hold space for you. And there are a lot of very, very good EFT practitioners out there. Personally, though, I would just suggest go do an EFT course because then you've got all the tools at your fingertips and you can use it for your emotional sobriety. And that's something
0: you can do for yourself.
1: Yeah, it's something you can use for yourself at any time of day when, you know, you're starting to feel whatever it is you're feeling that you would usually use drugs for. i remembering now the original question was these people that are out of body and suppression. For me... The reason I go out of body is because I'm feeling too much and I don't know how to handle it. And that will create what we call in matrix reimprinting an echo, an energy consciousness hologram. This happens anytime you have a shock or a trauma or a situation where you felt powerless and helpless and couldn't actually control the situation and you didn't feel safe and you couldn't really manage. Then some part of you will kind of separate off and go into the ethers and hold that full amount of the emotional impact away from you and the trouble is in addiction is we often attract more abuse and more problems and you end up with more and more and more of these echoes like leaving your body because they just terrified and so with matrix we imprinting we go and find those echoes we trace back the feelings to wherever they went to and we gently gently bring them back to a space of serenity the first thing we do is de-traumatize them So it's not like those kind of therapies where you have to have, you have to relive the trauma again and again and again. Personally, that's just hell for me. Why would I want to do that? (laughs) (laughs) But with Matrix, our first thing is to de-traumatize that younger version of yourself and help them get through the situation in a way where they felt empowered and actually supported. And then you'll find that whatever belief system you had at the time, like whatever it is, the world's not safe, men are dangerous, red cars are, you know, not for me, whatever it was, those, those echoes will form new beliefs and new, new ideas of what, about what's possible in the world and then you can take that through into the future and also into the past and reinform all the parts of you that felt that way. So it's a very powerful and very gentle way of working. I love it. It's actually my favorite spiritual practice. I do a swap with a friend at least once every two weeks The most fun I can possibly have on the planet is to do matrix (laughs) for myself or, you know, do swaps with other people. I actually
0: watched some videos on EFT after we had our session and it was quite informative. So if you want to know more about EFT, hit YouTube. You know, Mm -hmm. there's so much out there. I spoke to a friend of mine the other day and I mentioned to her what happened for me and with me during our EFT and matrix re-imprinting session. And I suggested that I think it might work very well for her. And the first reaction was, it's not going to make me cry, is it? I said, well, it might, but that's okay because we're in a safe space. And she came back saying that, but when I start, I can't stop. Mm. And I didn't know what to say to her.
1: Mm. So so this is a nice thing with EFT is those kind of emotions that are very deep. It's not to say you're not ever going to cry during an EFT session. But the actual tapping is the thing that will release that need to be in that space of such severe sadness and tears. I mean obviously if you need to cry, you're going to cry, but we also use eye exercises which are very similar to the ones that they use in a lot of the trauma release therapies and those help your brain to process the trauma. Often what happens is when people go for a talk therapy you'll sit and talk about the problem, it'll bring up all the stuff and then you end up crying and crying and crying because it's just so painful and because there's energy blocks in your body there's no way to actually get that emotion to flow through and release and this is precisely what EFT tapping does is it it like it's emotional draino, it, it, it allows those emotions to release and actually let go, as opposed to them just being stuck there and you stuck in this loop of crying and crying and crying. It you actually
0: really get it out. Yeah. I believe in crying as a repeating
1: tool. Definitely. Well, laughter and tears are both necessary things. Laughter is going to expand you, take you more out of your body, get you into a space of whoop, whoop, And that's great. You can do laughter yoga, which is an incredible form of exercise. Yeah, you laugh, but it's... Are you serious? I'm serious. There's a thing called laughter yoga. Um, Martin Combrink in Somerset West here is the laughter yoga guru. And like you laugh for no reason. And I don't know if you ever remember having such a laugh that your stomach was sore afterwards. It's that kind of thing that you're using laughter as exercise. It works those tummy muscles. And it clears a lot of emotion and stuff from the body. It starts to switch off your fight and flight response. And it's very awesome. If you're a bit manic-depressant, it might take you to the upside of your manic-depressive state. So it gently does it. (laughs) This is why they do a very deep meditation at the end of it to help you just process that.
0: So are you saying if I laugh enough, I can develop a six-pack? (laughs)
1: <laughs> yes, definitely. Oh, wow. Definitely. The trick is to actually just start Ooh. start in the morning and laugh. All right. No, exactly. <laughs> and the trick it. is well. just pretend you don't have to have it. It's not about jokes and like belittling people. It's about literally using the action of laughter to work with the solar plexus and then work with that tummy. You'll have an awesome six pack. And then the thing is with tears, tears more brings you back into your body. Tears is what grounds you when you've had severe grief and you're so out of your body that you don't know who you are. Tears is the thing that will bring you back 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 to your physicality. So there's always these extremes of expansion and contraction and depending where you are on the scale you'll need one or the other. So your body knows what it needs. But at the same time, it's very important to be gentle with yourself and to listen to your body and actually experience things with an open mind. This is my concept of spirituality. You remain open minded enough to listen to all the stuff that's out there. So you don't push anything away and say outright, no, that's a load of crap. And you also don't swallow things whole and go, oh, yeah, I'll just take that because it's spiritual. Either way of those is pretty dangerous because you can, you know, end up in a lot of interesting cults or, (laughs) (laughs) you know, married to two people. You just (laughs) never know. So it's very important to actually work with that discernment. So it sounds as if you're saying
0: go out in experience Mm. and keep what works for you. Janine, are you happy?
1: It depends on what time of day you're speaking to me. <laughs> I, uh, it I, is
0: now five minutes past three on a Friday afternoon. Right,
1: are you happy? <laughs> yeah, right now in this moment, I'm feeling a lot of happiness. But I don't really judge happiness as my, my yardstick as to whether I'm on track or not. For me, happiness is often something that I get like if I have a little hot chocolate or if I get a nice flower or if I wake up and I'm in a good mood. For me, there's this underlying sense of joy, which is a different thing, which I've never had before, which is much more fundamental to my spirituality. So I can still be experiencing that joy and be feeling sad and then go through some happiness and then go through a little bit of grief, but there's this underlying peace and joy that is there no matter what it is I'm feeling. Those feelings are like clouds, they come and go. So sometimes I'm happy, sometimes I'm sad, but underneath it all, there's part of me that is now learning to be in a place of trust and peace and joy, which is the part that I'm actively striving to stay connected to on a daily basis. And it's getting easier and easier. The more I work with 12-step program, the more I work with prayer and meditation, the more I work with my concept of spirituality, the more I'm able to stay there. That's what brings me joy.
0: So even when you pray, what do you pray to?
1: So (laughs) that's the thing. It depends. You know, sometimes I'll call in specific deities. But if I have to answer what I pray to, I pray to the all that is. I pray to the love that is within all of those deities. Like earlier, I was reading you all these names of God, and there was this Ah underneath all of them that's what i pray to i pray to that underlying unified force that is all of existence and creation
0: how do you know what you need because you said you pray to what you need
1: yeah Um, how do you
0: know what you need for me that's possibly one of the biggest challenges for me in my life is knowing what it is that i actually need Mm. is will that be part of self-care
1: Definitely. Because I don't
0: know whether I'm good at self-care.
1: Yeah, well, it takes, it takes practice and gentleness. I think before, when I wasn't able to feel my feelings, I had absolutely no idea what I needed. The more I get in touch with my feelings, the more they become sacred messengers, and the more I know what it is that I need. So it's kind of the situation that John Gray person said, what you can feel, you can heal. And the feelings are the facts. So the more I'm able to be with my feelings then the more I'm able to know what it is I actually need. Also a great way of learning what I need has been just immersing myself in nature. If you go and wrap your hands or your arms around any given tree you'll notice that every single tree has a completely different energy and it's the same with all the flowers and herbs and plants in your garden you may not even need to know necessarily what it is you need just go for a walk in nature and find the place where you feel peaceful and then sit and look around and use those flowers and plants as your objects of meditation really look at the flowers really look at the trees and they will give you the biggest healing. I mean, we are microcosms of the macrocosm. So everything that is external there in nature is exactly what we need in order to heal.
0: I met my higher power under a willow tree. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, oh, that's just awesome.
0: So it, it's so symbolic. I love that feeling of knowing that when I was hanging in low, mm. that is when my higher power came into my life and said, Let's lift you up.
1: Exactly. It's just magical.
0: For me, it was the sound of the wind through its leaves. Oh, awesome. It was beautiful. Exactly. It was such an amazing... It was serenity. Mm. It was absolutely beautiful. Mm. I used to live in a flat in town. And outside, as you walk out the door, there was this huge tree.
1: Oh, lovely. Huge.
0: I always had the feeling I one day want to go and hug that tree. I want to feel what it feels like. To physically feel mm. its presence. To feel it in my arms. And before I could do it, the owner chopped the tree off. No! I was (laughs) furious, not only because I couldn't hug the tree, but in my mind, you don't chop a tree off. It's just something you don't do anymore.
1: No, I completely relate to that.
0: (laughs) Unless you're willing to plant five in its place.
1: Yeah, but I mean, still, five are going to take how many years to get to that size? It's interesting because acorn oak trees are for when you are feeling totally like broken. It's that kind of feeling. Like you know, when they when they get old those branches actually break yeah. off, like completely. And there's nothing for me like oak tree green in the spring because it's mm. that complete Rebirth all of that juicy sap green and it's energy, bright. yeah,
0: Be- most beautiful, bright green color. They
1: are so awesome. So, what I'm going to recommend to everybody is just go hug as many trees as possible. <laughs> yes, I am a hippie, <laughs> but it works,
0: <laughs> Janine. That is it for today. Thank you so, so, so very much. Oh, thank I you, loved Freddie. this session. I loved hearing about your concept of spirituality. I love hearing how the different things you use to create your what you call your spirituality and to kind of get an understanding of how you got there because what I kind of figure out is this podcast being about spiritual journeys, Mm. it sounds as if you were on this journey from in the womb. Yeah. This is not a journey that you can say at that day that happened and that's when our spiritual journey started. For Mm -hmm. you, it is something that it nearly grew in you, not you grew into it.
1: Well, I think all along along the way, there have been turning points and crises and epiphanies and all that sort of thing. But I think it's like that for all of us. We are always on the path. Your life is the path. There's this lovely song. Blind man stood on the way and cried. Blind man stood on the way and cried. Oh, Lord, show me the way. And it's like that. We don't know that we actually are in every moment on the way and the very things that we thought and think are hurting us and are the biggest dramas actually can lead to your biggest healing and your most deepest connection with everything. So, you know, maybe good, maybe bad, Um, mostly good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Janine, thank you very, very much. Have a wonderful afternoon.
1: Thanks, Freddie.
0: Thank you for listening to our conversation about Janine's spirituality and the path she is treading in this regard. I recently had an emotional freedom tapping and matrix re-imprinting therapy session with Janine. I found it to be a most wonderful experience and believe that my life has truly changed because of it. We wrote two articles about the experience. If you want to read about it, please visit my website, which is www.fredi.org.za. find me on facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash freddy.org.za you can also find me on twitter at at rensburg freddy remember that freddy is always spelt with an ie at the end be safe bye